to the Metal Bob Live Podcast. I'm your host, Metal Bob. Today's show is brought to you by Legend Picks, artist Jeremiah Kallick, and also the Texas Vinyl Coalition. You can find links to our sponsors and more on the Metal Bob Live website. There you can also find links to the latest Metal Bob gear, including shirts, hoodies, and more. On today's show, I had the honor of speaking with Grammy-nominated guitarist Jim West. We discuss his latest album, More Guitar Stories, his passion for the slack key guitar style, and we also discuss Weird Al. So sit back, have a listen, and enjoy the show. Thank you. Hello, Jim. Hey, Robert. Well, hey, I'll tell you what, man, I appreciate your time tonight. No worries. So how's everything going on your end? Pretty good? Yeah, you know, um, because of this whole lockdown thing, obviously I've been home a lot and haven't been playing any shows, but it keeps me in the studio. So I've got a lot of recording going on. I've got a new record coming out on Friday and another one ready to go probably in November. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm staying busy. So tell us a little bit about the more guitar stories that drops on Friday. Well, it's a uh, follow-up. I have I had a CD out in 2015 called more called Guitar Stories, and it was Guitar Stories was a departure from my previous records, which had been very much in the Hawaiian slack key sort of modern Hawaiian slack key vein. Guitar Stories was more about um, using the slack key tunings, but playing a lot of different styles. Like on guitar, the first Guitar Stories record, I had um, some you know some Americana. I had some uh, sort of classical sounding orchestral stuff. I had some Middle Eastern song. I had, you know, various world influences. So so more guitar stories is is pretty much the same idea. It's using the, the Hawaiian slack key tunings, but exploring a lot of different styles. So on this record, I have West African styles. I have some Indian music, uh, Celtic, uh, some Americana, various things. So that's sort of the idea. The idea is that the guitar is sort of telling some stories. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, this would be, what, your eighth studio album? Am I right on that? Um, Let's see. Coconut Hat, Slack Key West, Chemo Style. Then I had a couple of Christmas records. Um, then I had um, a record with Ken Emerson, Slackers in Paradise, six and i had um moku malohia seven eight so this would be my um ninth ninth cd all right well i just listened to peaceful island yesterday and i'll tell you what buddy i really enjoyed that that was a great record oh thank you thank you yeah i got a grammy nomination uh which was pretty cool yeah that's what i was going to ask you about you did get a grammy nomination for that how'd that make you feel (laughs) it was pretty surprising you know i've um, I've been a, a member of NARIS, the Grammy, you know, society for a long time, but I only really started entering my CDs about, you know, three CDs back. Um, I don't know why I probably should have from the beginning, but I, um, you know, you have no expectations at all. You just put it out there. And, and I remember I was one morning, I didn't even, couldn't even remember when they were going to announce the nominations, but I was sort of just hanging out reading the newspaper and I noticed my phone was buzzing a lot you know the ringer was off but it was sitting over in the corner charging up and 
it just kept buzzing and buzzing. And after a while, I thought, ah, somebody's trying to get a hold of me, you know. <laughs> and when I opened it up, my mail was just like all these messages, congratulations, congratulations. And I was like, what? <laughs> That's great. So uh, I was going to ask you, so what, what got you into the Hawaiian style music and the, you know, the, the slack key guitar stuff? Well, um, I went to Hawaii just by chance in the mid eighties. Uh, a friend of mine, I was on tour with weird Al, and he was a, a guy who was helping us out on the crew and also playing a bit in the show. And he had a friend over on Maui and he said, Hey, after the tour, um, I'm going to go to Maui and see my friend. You want to come along and we'll hang out in Maui for a couple of weeks. And I said, yeah, sounds good to me. You know, I'd never been to Hawaii before. And, uh, so we flew into this little, um, well, we flew to Maui, and then we took a small plane into this little town called Hana. It's a very kind of remote town on the east side of Maui. And um, I really just fell in love with the place. I mean, it's just a gorgeous place, and that's you know where we were staying. They had a lot of records, Hawaiian slack key records, vinyl, you know, in those days. And that music, I just loved listening to it. I just felt like it sounded like the way the place looked and felt, you know, it just... Uh, it just really reflected the place, and I, so I, um, I just like to listen to it for many years, and then um, years later, I just started writing some slack key tunes of my own. You know, it just sort of crept in over a period of six or seven years. <laughs> Absolutely. So, are you? Do you still have a Dean signature model guitar? Are you still playing a lot of Dean guitars? Um, I have. Um, I have a, a couple of Dean guitars. That, you know, the, mo the the instrument that I use actually um, is a um, a lot is uh, on my Dean bass. I have a bass, and um, it's a uh, it's not like they make it anymore, but it's really a lovely bass. It's a, got a neck through the body, you know, thing, beautiful neck. And so, I, you know, on some of my records, um, sometimes I'll, I'll hire real bass players, and sometimes I play bass myself on them. But that's the bass I use. And, um, and it's been, boy, that's been a, a great instrument. It's on a lot of my records. <laughs> You're also a keyboard player, correct? I play a little keyboard, you know, I mean, I, I, I used to work as a, a composer for film and TV a lot. So, you know, you were doing a lot of keyboard parts and playing, you know, or orchestral parts on the keyboard and, you know, I'm just self-taught, but I, I can get around a little bit on it. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't hire myself to play keyboards in a band, you know, even though I've done a little bit of that, but it's. You know, it's just something I use as a writing tool and, you know, just use when necessary. You mentioned the composer and the and the TV stuff. I was going to ask you about that. So uh, what what have you been involved with lately in, in that kind of field? Well, you know, I, I, I kind of got out of doing it. Um, even though I enjoy it so much, I've got so much going on with my own music and then, you know, playing with Weird Al, you know, sometimes, of course, we're not touring right now, but... Um, Occasionally, I'll do a documentary or or something for a director friend or something like that. But I'm I'm not really out there looking, you know, beating the bushes trying to get the work. But oh, but years ago, I mean, I started doing it in the uh, late '90s. I started writing for TV and film, and I did a few, you know, small features, um, a lot of animation. I did the the Saturday Morning Iron Man animation and a whole bunch of cartoon shows, uh, some TV commercials for you know Honda and. Um, oh, Disney Channel, um, tons of stuff, you know, actually Country Music Awards. I did some things and Nickelodeon Kids Choice Awards and I don't know, just tons of stuff. <laughs> right on. 
Well, I would, I, if you don't mind, I would like to get into a little bit of the Weird Al stuff. I know you've been playing with Weird Al for 37 years, and that's a long time. <laughs> that's a long, it's a long time for sure. <laughs> so how, how did all that become, you know, how, how did all that become, come about? Well, you know, I, um, I grew up in Florida and that's where I started playing music. And, um, um, at a certain point, um, I, I knew I had to kind of move to a, a bigger city to, you know, further my career. And New York was, you know, like, ah, it's too cold. It snows up there and, you know, LA's warmer and sunnier. So I moved to LA and, um, um, Steve J who plays bass with Weird Al, we were old friends from Florida and he had come out about a year before I had. And, um, he met Al, um, I think he got called to do Al's first, very first record as a session player. And, um, he called me one day and said that, you know, Al was, um, going to put a band together cause he had some gigs and he wanted to audition guitar players. So, I just went and auditioned. I'd learned a couple of his tunes and, and, um, they were cool. I was like, you know, I learned the tunes and I thought, wow, these are very well crafted songs. And anyway, so I, I auditioned and then Al called me one day, Hey, you got the gig, you know? And I was like, okay, great. You know, I was actually playing in like three or four other bands at the time, you know? Um, but I, um, but you know, he had some gigs and he was a nice guy and, um, we played the gigs and, uh, did a little very, very small tour, um, maybe a dozen shows or something like that. And then, um, you know, and then the record that had Eat It on it, which was called the In 3D record, that um, once we did that record, then, you know, it kind of blew up on MTV and became a, you know, all of a sudden now it was a household name. <laughs> Absolutely. And here you are 37 years later, man, still doing it. You know, yeah, none of us would ever, ever thought, including Al, ever thought it would, you know, probably go more than two or three years. But, the, you know, the beauty of it is, oh, not only is he, you know, just an amazingly creative and talented guy, he knows how to, to do it right. Um, but, you know, with with the world of parodies, of course, you have something, you always have new material. There's always some new pop music. And every time you put out a record with parodies of whatever was happening Currently, um, we do shows and all of a sudden there'll be a new crop of kids, you know, I mean, some kids at shows with their parents, you know, they were, you know, eight years old. And, you know, so every time there's a new record, there's another crop of fans of, in that sort of age group and they, you know, grow up to become hardcore fans. So Al's audience was always sort of regenerating, whereas a lot of groups, you know, they have their main audience. And as the group gets older their audience gets older and they stop going to shows and, you know, it all kind of fizzles out um, unless you're the Rolling Stones or something. But, but with Al, he keeps getting new fans every time he puts out a record. Well, who, you know, who are some of your influences growing up? Some of your musical influences? Well, you know, um, my, my older brother played, he's 10 years older than me. He, he played, um, not professionally, but he had a guitar and he would play like folk songs, you know, like finger picking and that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, one day I just found his guitar in the closet and I started noodling with it and he saw that I was interested. So he, um, got me some new strings and a book and a capo and, you know, hooked me up and got me going. And, you know, some of my first influences, I guess, were some of that folk music that he would listen to, you know, various kinds of folk artists. And that's where I first started learning how to finger pick. Um, and then, um, 
a couple of years later. I think I started playing when I was 12. And a few years later, I got, you know, more interested in electric guitar. And um, I was listening to, you know, the English bands and, you know, of course, Jimi Hendrix and Cream and, and you know, a lot of the, the English acts and, and, of course, Led Zeppelin. And um, so I got an electric guitar. I kept playing acoustic. I never stopped playing acoustic. But I got a Les Paul and a Marshall amp. I think I had that when I was 16 or 17. <laughs> and um, I started playing gigs. I started playing, in, you know, pro professionally, I think, when I was 16. But um, so, you know, from I was really influenced by a lot of electric guitar music and also acoustic as well. You know, the, the folky stuff and, you know, um, Simon and Garfunkel, anything with acoustic guitar. I still love that. But, you know, it was when I played live, it was always rock and roll. It was, you know, electric and, you know, rock, rock shows. You know, I never I didn't start playing acoustic live until I got into slack key. And um, that was uh, I'd always pretty much played electric. Right. So the, the slack key guitar, that seems to be kind of your passion. That's, I mean, you, you mostly on your solo releases, is that the kind of stuff you put out most of the time? Yeah. Yeah. It's um essentially, you know, it's, it's acoustic guitar, but it's, it's in different open tunings, you know, and I use a lot of different open tunings. I've probably used a couple of dozen throughout my career, but, um, uh, what I find about with the open tunings is, um, you know, obviously you're not using your regular knowledge, your chords, your normal chord, your chords on, in standard tuning don't work anymore. So it, it, it kind of inspires you because you, you make these, you know, kind of wonderful mistakes or you're, you're just noodling around. You really don't know what your, your hands aren't, you know, playing the normal chords. Um, and so you're kind of inspired to, um, to come up with new stuff. So every time I try a new tuning, I usually write five or six songs and, um, uh, you oftentimes on a CD, you'll see, cause I always list the tunings on my CDs. You'll often see one tuning that's, that's more represented than any others. And it's like, Oh, he uses this tuning a lot on the record. That's because, you know, that tuning inspired a lot of songs. Right. So yeah. your, your record drops Friday. So is it going to yep. be, is it available on CD? Is it going to be available on vinyl at all? No, uh, it's not on vinyl. Um, the record I did with Ken Emerson, which was called Slackers in Paradise, we put that out on vinyl, and that's a great was a good record for vinyl because it was a very rootsy record, um, a lot of real old timey stuff um, and some modern stuff. But vinyl, um, as much as I love it, it's it's an expensive proposition to do these days. You know, it's expensive. Um, so the, um, I'm really just doing CD and, and you know digital and streaming and downloads. And, but CDs, you know, people still buy CDs at shows, um, even though a lot of people don't have CD players anymore. <laughs> they don't even put them in cars anymore. <laughs> no. But, you know, it's, it's hard to autograph a download, you know. It doesn't, doesn't work very well. So um, so I, I at shows I sell CDs, but I also sell, um, which has been really – I was on a tour at the beginning of this year before the pandemic hit um, called the International Guitar Night Tour, and I um, – was also besides a couple of I brought a couple of different titles with me CDs, but I also brought my um, USB drives. And they're little wooden USB drives, and they have my entire all my records on them, you know. And um, I think I sold them for forty bucks. So you know, people would would often buy that instead. They were going, oh, "Wait a minute, I can buy one CD for fifteen or twenty, but I can get all your CDs for forty. <laughs> and people were like, "I think I'll take that," you know. 
Because nowadays, most cars, modern cars, have a USB jack, you know, where you plug your phone in or whatever, and the music comes, you know, through the system. Right. So with that, with that little USB jack, they basically have, you know, the little USB drive. They can basically put have my entire catalog in the car, you know, and of course at home on the computer as well and all that. But um, but so that's actually been a very popular product for me is the USB drives. I you know sell them on my website and people people seem to like them. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the guitar stories on Friday, man. I'll be picking me up a copy for sure. So uh, cool. Absolutely. Well, I'll send you, I'll send you a link as well. Um, but it's a yeah, it's a it's a fun record, and um, there's some really great musicians on it. Um, with guitar stories records, um, I usually have other players on there. You know, a cellist, a couple of violin players, a couple of different bass players, percussionists. Um, so I've got some really wonderful players. Jimmy Johnson plays bass on a couple of tracks. He's a fabulous la session player who's well his regular gig is james taylor but he's also well known he used to play with alan holdsworth you know who's a was amazing guitar player um play with all kinds of people but um so he's on a couple of tracks as well you know um and um a number of other great great players uh, on the record so you know more guitar stories has got more of these kind of ensemble songs where it's slack key but we've got bass violin cellos percussion things like that so out of the solo albums and the stuff that you've done which one of yours is kind of your favorite your kind of go-to do you have a favorite <laughs> well you know i don't really listen to my records after i put them out that much you know you know eventually i'll hear them or, or it'll you know i hear when i'm doing something on spotify or whatever i'll Sometimes a track will come up and I go, hey, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> you know? um, but um, I was really, you know, I've, I'm proud of them all. And I usually it's my whatever my last CD is, is what I'm most proud of. But but I'm really, uh, I guess, especially proud of my last two CDs, uh, Moku Malohia, Peaceful Island and the previous Guitar Stories record. And, um, you know, I really love those records. And, you know, of course, this new one. I'm sure we'll end up being a, a favorite too. And once I get used to it, you know, it's, um, I, I've heard it a bunch of times, of course, cause I'm working on it, but, but I, after I put the record out, I kind of step away from it from, for a while and, you know, and, and then come back to it later and, and listen to it and see how it holds up. <laughs> right on. So I got to ask, I know you, you've been, you've been with weird Al for a long time, man. There has got to be some really good stories. You got anything that really sticks out? Any really good memories, really good stories? Oh man, there are so many, you know, I mean, it's just, there are just, you know, it's, it's unbelievable. I, I often remember a lot of the studio recordings, you know, cause we would, um, record in some, you know, beautiful studios and Al would, you know, he was very, he's always very organized in the studio. Um, so a lot of times I, I'll have some really good studio memories. Like I remember, um, there was one song where he, um, he wanted to have these us us all sing backup vocals, but he wanted them to be very high sounding. So he brought in a tank of helium, and we all just you know kept taking helium breaths before every take, so we would sing with this very high helium voice. <laughs> so the backup vocals were all on helium, and I remember another song where he um, um, it was a song, it was a parody of a U two song. Um, 
uh, what was it? Hold me, kiss me, thrill me, kill me, or whatever that song was. But anyway, it was it was called Cavity Search, and it was all about dental decay. And so at the end of the song, where normally there was this kind of big, kind of instrumental guitar solo thing, he he uh, he had his dentist come to the studio with a drill and a human tooth. And they set up the microphones and recorded his dentist drilling a human tooth for the <laughs> That's awesome. And you know the engineer liked to he liked to listen loud. You know I don't know if his ear you know ears were shot or whatever, but he liked it loud. And man, hearing that dentist drill in stereo at like 120 dB was like I'll have to say it was the worst thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, well, you know, what really impresses me a lot about, you know, Al's band is, you know, you guys have pretty much kept the same group of guys for years, man. I mean, there hasn't been a whole lot of lineup changes in that band, correct? No, the the new guy's been there for 24 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I mean. <laughs> when the new guy's been there for 24 years, I mean, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> he still gets treated as the new guy, though, you know? Yeah, okay. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's been a, it's it's amazing on um, the longevity. I mean, Al's Al's career, you know, has pretty much outlasted every every band that he's ever done a parody of. Absolutely. So I, I do got a question about the new album. So Guitar Stories. Obviously, we're gonna keep talking about that a little bit because you know it's coming out here fresh on Friday. The yeah. the most recent single is called Fragile. What uh, what was the inspiration behind that? Well, that Fragile is um, was a single, and it's not on the More Guitar Stories record. It's just a, a standalone single. Okay. And I I had already sort of had the playlist for More Guitar Stories was pretty much set, and um, I was pretty much getting ready to wrap it up. But, you know, I, I started just sort of thinking of the, you know, the way the situation of the world today and, and – um, the situation we're in and, and, and that song just popped in my head. It's like, you know, I've always loved that song. It's a really beautiful, uh, beautiful message. And, you know, it would be very timely. It just seems like it was a, a good time to, to put out a, uh, a cover of it. I, I, and so I sort of, um, you know, I went through and kind of, I used one of my own special tunings that I, I use a lot um, called the Mahoe tuning. It has two strings that are the same pitch. Um, and I just came up with an arrangement using that tuning, and it uh, it was fun. It came out really, really nice. It sort of, you know, it has the melodies in there um, from the original tune, but it's done with a, a slack key tuned guitar, and then also another little guitar called a soprano guitar, made by a company called Vailette. Um, very small. It's tuned almost an octave higher than a regular guitar. So it's basically those two instruments, and it's uh, it just it just really worked. And I thought, well, you know, I'll just put this out as a single, you know, just a digital digital single, and um, I got a lot of good feedback from it. Right on. So I had one more other question about, you know, obviously Weird Al. Hey, do you have a favorite Weird Al album? Oh man, jeez, that is really tough. You know. Um, a lot of a lot of the fun, you know, for me, a lot of the fun things I really love about the albums are, are Al's originals. You know, his original tunes are brilliant, and they're often they're usually stylistically. He would call them style parodies. They're sort of like a stylistic, you know, a song done 
stylistically and, you know, in the style of another artist, you know. Um, and um, uh, he's done some fabulous ones. I think on the Poodle Hat record, he did a um, one called Genius in France, which is a epic, you know, maybe eight or ten minute long uh, tribute to Frank Zappa. And it was very difficult, you know, a lot of ch changes. I mean, it was very complex song and a lot of some really cool guitar solos. Um, that one stands out also on one of the later records. Um, I think it was on Straight Outta Linwood. There was um, um, a song which was sort of a Brian Wilson epic, another eight or nine minute long epic song called Pancreas. It was basically a musical tribute to his pancreas. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But, but, but musically, it was just superb, you know, I mean, just amazing. And I remember it was mixed in quadraphonic surround sound. I remember being at the studio at Westlake Audio in Santa Monica or in Hollywood, um, sitting there listening to the mix, the playback in surround sound. It was like, man, it was fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, I go back a long ways. I remember, this is a little story, I'll tell you something funny about myself. So back in, I don't know, we were in like fifth grade, I think it was, when the N3D came out. And I remember mm -hmm. Eat It came out, and I had the Michael Jackson coat. And we were, you know, we were at the, the variety show at school, and we were doing Eat It on stage, and it was really neat. <laughs> and then uh, I also remember Dare to be Stupid was a really good follow-up to that. That was a great record. Yeah. That was an excellent record, and and that video for Dare, for the song Dare to Be Stupid was very ahead of its time. I mean, obviously Dare to Be Stupid was a stylistic parody of Devo, but it was Al's original lyric. Great concept, and the the um, video was spectacular. I mean, the colors and the the creativity in that video was was just amazing. I remember Mark Mothersbaugh from Devo was interviewed once, and and you know he said something to the effect of you know Al took what we did and just did it better. And, and I hate him for that. <laughs> right. I remember that, you know, he loved the sound that Al got out of the, that, that, that synthesizer, that keyboard. He would just loved what he got out of that. Yeah. And it was, it was well, well done for, and just cause that goes back a number of years. That's, that goes way back. And it was, a. Uh, I remember the video shoot too. I remember being there all day, shooting the video and getting to ride plastic horses and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Plastic cows, I mean, plastic cows. We had plastic cows in the studio. That's great, man. You got, I mean, that you've been doing this a long time, man. That's pretty cool. I'm, you got a lot of good it, memories there, man. Absolutely. It's been a blessing. I mean, Al's this really sweet guy to, to work for, and, um, you know, and uh, it's nothing but fun. We have a great time. You know, we, uh, our last couple of tours were fantastic. The last, um, last tour that we did um, – was um the we toured with an orchestra every night with a full orchestra it's called the strings attached tour and so that was a new experience having a full orchestra on stage with us every night and um the tour before that was um called the ridiculously self-indulgent ill-advised vanity tour that was all um no parodies it was all al's originals and um we would have a different set every night so we, you know, started off learning about 60 songs for the show. And then as part of the encore, we would do a straight cover in the encore every night, a different one. And there were 77 shows. So we learned 60 songs for the, for the tour and then another 77 covers. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. 
but it was fun. You know, it was a lot of work, but looking back, you know, it was like, wow, that was quite an accomplishment. And we, you know, we had a, in fact, there's a YouTube link out there that has little snippets of all the different covers. It's called basically Weird Al. If you just Google Weird Al 77 covers, you'll find a medley of every cover song we did, little, you know, 10 seconds of each one or whatever. And it goes everywhere from, you know, just from metal to country to Elvis to, you know, polka to everything you can think of, every style, you know. That's great. Yeah, it took me a long time, man, but I finally did get to see a show a few years ago, and I really enjoyed it, man. I had a blast. It was, it's that, <laughs> if no one's ever seen Weird Al, they got to go see it. It's a great experience. Yeah, it's a very entertaining show, and a lot of people, you know, a lot of people get dragged to the show and like they're okay. Well, I'll go with you, and, and then that, you know, and then they just go, "Oh my God, I had no idea." You know, it is very entertaining show, and um, you know, a lot of high tech, of course, a lot of video involved these days, and things like that. So we're hoping to get back out there again at the end of next year. Um, hopefully, is uh, um, the plan. We'll see what happens, but. <laughs> Well, I hope so, and I'll make sure if uh, we get out there, I'll make sure to say hi to you, brother. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. And so, um, and like I said, I'll send you a link to the new record as well. I thought I'd already done that, but I guess not, but I will. No, please do. And hey, uh, also, um, would, you, would you like to promote anything at this time? Would you like to tell people where they're going to be able to pick up your record on Friday? Uh, anything else you'd like to throw out there? Yeah, basically, um, my website is, is, you know, of course, has all the links and, and you can you can get the, the CD or download off my website. And that's uh, jimkimowest.com, J-I-M-K-I-M-O-W-E-S-T.com. But it'll also be out in uh, it, it comes out on all the services on Friday. So it'll be on iTunes, Pandora, Spotify, Tidal, you know, all those Amazon, etc. It, it should be on in all those places on Friday. So, um, you know, basically just search my name or more guitar stories and it'll it'll pop up but my website is kind of the clearing house for it and it's got some kind of cool videos on it and stuff too perfect well jim it's been great man and i really appreciate you doing this uh it, me it means a lot thank you bobby thanks for asking man absolutely and hopefully man, you know in the future we can have you back on that'd be awesome yeah, and give uh, give give our friend Greg uh, my best. I will, man. Greg's a great guy, man. He's he's nothing but yeah. awesome, man. Greg's great. I usually see him every year at the Nam show, but now they're not going to have Nam this January, so yeah, have to be the next time. Yeah, I'd actually, I'd actually talked to him here in the last year or so about actually going with him, you know, at one time here next here in the next couple of years, but maybe next year. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thanks, Bobby. I appreciate your time and uh, really appreciate you uh the support man no nah, appreciate you jim you take care of yourself brother thank you very much okay bye-bye aloha aloha buddy bye-bye <laughs> that concludes today's episode of the metal bob live podcast please go to our website to check our sponsor links thank you for listening metal bob out